Okay, so welcome back. Um, and it's also so nice, like on a short Friday, that everybody's here, right? Like, I, and no busing. What? And no busing, I know. And no school. And no school. <laughs> yeah, Doc and my boys don't have school. Right, <laughs> then you're running out. Um, okay, so this paragraph what we're gonna do is actually like a little bit of an interruption from like everything we've been learning. This is chapter 32. So 32 in Hebrew is Lave, right? Lamed Bez, which is like the heart. So literally what like, like Shay Saab explains is that in this parak you find like this is the heart of everything. Like this is the heart of Tanya. So it's never, it could always be a standalone. So don't worry only if you're up to five. Sarah's been watching, so she's out to nine. Yes. Um, I'm just like I know, and I'm like, is it annoying? Is that a good thing? I don't know. Sometimes I listen to myself, and I'm like, am I on double speed? And I'm like, nope, I'm just on one. So I can't even imagine what it's like. Homie, we have to do like, you know, she gives long ones. But okay, so this one is, it is, it could be a standalone. Hi. Yeah, thank you. I actually lit that candle. I was like, I think I need a little bit more sense. Like when you start getting Instagram ads for your house, does your house smell? Like things like that. I'm like, okay, no, it, smells like um, it smells like what? Challah. I mean challah. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is Laman Bay's. It's the heart of it. It's it's interesting because when you would ask somebody like what Tanya is about, like if somebody's like, okay, I'm learning Tanya, right? Like so you tell people I'm learning Tanya. They're like, what's it about? What do you say? A manual for life. Manual for life. What? Two souls. Right. Learning to be a benoni. Right. And it's almost like it very much feels like my relationship between like if you were divided, let's say mitzvot into two categories, like it's like about me and Hashem, like things that like I have conversations with Hashem, how to me be a better person, not necessarily how to interact with other people, because we even like I always say like. We recognize that clip is we have to remove from ourselves, but really it feels like it's a book between me and God, right? But then if you look at this chapter, chapter 32, it's all about Avas Yisrael, which is obviously something that I was saying, like we were talking, I was talking to Sarah last night, how like in the beginning before everything happened in our Yisrael, these classes were very like, okay, let's like, we're full of Nehemiah, it's like, let's learn a little bit. And now that like the war started and like we're on such a, like we're on the edge to like do something, whatever, all of a sudden these chapters are becoming so alive to me. I, I feel it. I don't know if you guys are feeling it, but like all of a sudden I'm like, chapter 32 is about Avas Yisrael. I'm like, yes, that's what we need. Like, that's what we're having. Like I'm telling you, my girls that I learned, I've been teaching in the GDC in the city for 12 years and like literally more, like 15 years, because it's real, 14 years. And like girls that, who've moved on in life, got married, live in Westchester, live in, you know, like nice Jewish communities have been reaching out to me and they're, I'm like, what? Like, this is crazy. And, like, one of my girls, like, Jen, she was like, Figgy, I'm watching Tanya. I'm like, I'm like, what? Like, I'm so confused. And then I realized that something's happening, that there's this obviously straw. We're feeling connected to so many of them. Like, no matter where, if they were at the Nova Festival, if they were in B'nai Brak, or if they were in Yushalayim, like, those pictures and everything dancing. So if this is the Parsha of Abbas Yisrael, and it's smack in the middle of a guy between like me and Hashem, and I had to be a perfect person, but not perfect, but like not a Russia, but a Benoni, then why is this the heart of Tanya? Like, how is that the same thing? I always try to think of like, I'm like, we'll get into this a little bit, but it's just something that you should have as going into this as like an intro is that like when somebody went over to Hillel and asked him what the whole Torah was, could you give me the whole Torah on one foot? Saka's your mayor, let's go. She's nodding. Yes. What what happened? No. What happened when they asked Hillel? Like Bina Dama Khabiro, right? Don't do what you wouldn't do to yourself unto others, right? Like 
So, Ochai is coming, so she's good. She always knows the, the quotes. But the thing is that if this, if, if that's what it's all about, then how is it, how, wait, where do you go to school? <laughs> okay. I just gave you a shout out. I was like, we were waiting for like a pasok, and I was like, where are you? I actually did carpool this morning. You think I would be outside? Oh, yeah. I know. Okay. Either I come like an hour early or an hour late. Never come like on the right time. Like if it's 11.30, I'm either showing up at 11 to be the first one or 12 o'clock and I'll be the last one. Um, okay. So this chapter, 32, is really, it's about Abbas Yisrael. And we're transitioning from 31 and 32 where 31 and 32 was like, Oh, don't worry about it. It was like a little bit of harshness. Like, right? What was 31 and 32 about? Like, being sad, apathy, bitterness, right? And we ended off by saying, this is just like a little chazar, ending off by saying that if you don't snap out of your identity that you're just an ego, you're going to have to break yourself, which we don't like to do. But if you break yourself a little bit, then you'll realize that it's not just about you, that you are a soul. Do you remember that? We ended off with this identity shift that like, we're saying that if we implement everything that we learned in 31, there are chairs here, sorry, everything that we learned in 31 up until this point, we explained that you can be sad, sadness doesn't get you anywhere. Where does depression get you? Depression gets you nowhere. So we have to do, what do we say? Bitterness, right? We have to have Marie, we have to like push ourselves forward over there. But it was about having a frustration, but a healthy frustration. Like, and I, and I felt it so much this week. Like, every time everyone was like, because news is coming out, more and more stuff are coming out, and everyone's like, oh my God, I'm so sad, I can't do anything, I can't do anything. No, what we said last week is that you have to break yourself, you have to feel sad, you have to feel bitter, but you have to go do something with that. So the difference between sadness and depression is really about changing your identity, changing who you are, and recognizing that maybe I'm not a Tadic, right? I'm definitely, I, I hope I'm not a Russia, but if I identify with my animal desires and my goals and my ego, then, then of course I'm gonna be sad. Cause then it's like, oh my gosh, look what they did to the babies, look what they did to this, look what they're doing to the children. But if I identify as a soul, and I, I think somebody asked this last week at the end of class, like we, our souls should feel the souls that are in captivity. Our souls should feel the souls of the soldiers. So how did we do that? We explained that if you identify as a soul, right, you shift it, even though it's not your default consciousness, cause my default consciousness would be like, no, really, I'm very physical, I need food, I'm hangry, right? But if I identify chiefly as a soul, even though it's not what I wanna be, in a certain way, I push my animal soul to the side and I say, you're there, you're important, but you're secondary. So then I can go from being sad to being bitter and to, being, to be doing something. Oh, welcome, hi, okay. So basically we ended off, this is all recap now that everybody's like settled in, is embrace your godly soul, be frustrated with who? your animal soul, right? And that is what's going to get you to switch your identity, okay? So it's like, I'm not a godly, I'm not an animal soul. I have one, but I deal with it. How do I do it? Okay, so now I see myself as a soul. Now I, and actually this is like one of my favorite lines, um, is that we're not human beings, and this Shay's Taub says, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. I feel like I need to make that a quote of the day. Like that really is it. This is what? Yeah, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. 
And if you just get that at a class today, you're good. Like you could go home, go pick up carpool because school's basically over already, right? That idea is how I view myself and I'm not viewing myself as something just, because if I, if I would just view myself as a body, then I have a lot of drives and I have a lot of, you know, personalities that I need to deal with. But if I should love myself, I want to be frustrated with my animal soul, but I want to realize that it's not who I am. What I'm here to do is to do something much more spiritual. So through the implantation, now I feel bad, over here, okay. Okay. Um, forgot about this. Not that we know this is going anywhere, but okay. So what I what what chapter chapter thirty two tries to get us to work through is these words of how I'm going to love every single Jew. So it's coming off of a chapter where I now switch my identity. So like if you have a grocery list and a shopping list, you cross it off. You're like change identity. Boom, done. I did it. Okay. Now I'm a soul. What does that have to do with loving every single Jew? So this identity shift of saying that I'm not a body but I am a soul, takes us right into loving every single Jew. I think that we're, we're a little bit more open to loving Jews these days. So I, I feel like this is definitely kickstarting us and like getting that this chapter is going to be easy because there's not really so much obstacles anymore. Like used to be that there was a lot of barriers like, well, you go to this shul, you go to that shul. I was thinking like, I know I'm not in this yet, but like if I would have to do a resume for my daughter for Shadokim now, like would anything really matter? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it used to be like, oh my gosh, you have to go to seminary. Kim is a warrior as well, so not everyone's going to seminary, so it's fine. So she can, she can get married without going to this seminary? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, with everything that's happening in the world, that regular things that we thought were regular and tied down to this world is loosening up, so it really is making way for Abbas Yisrael. So the, the example that he gives is that when you identify as a body-centered person, so like, now there's a lot of identity things, right? So if you identify, I'm a body-centered person. Body-centered people take up space. We need food, we need resources, we need drink, right? We need money, we need bread, right? We need to have stuff, right? We need clothing. The thing is that we're trained, and this is because this is how it is in physics, in the physical world, that there's a scarcity. There's just not enough stuff, right? Like natural resources when it comes to it, right? Survival it's like of survival of the fittest, right? Like you're going to survive if you live, like the gold rush, right? Like what well, is everybody running to the gold rush? Because there's not so much gold in this world, so I'm going to go get it. Now, I think about this all the time. In the morning when I wake up, I went to sleep last night knowing that there's not really enough milk for four coffees. But if I'm down in the kitchen first, I mean, usually I'm down in the kitchen first, let's be honest, I can get that coffee and I will get the latte because I'll get all the milk. I have this thing, like, growing up, my mother used to buy like tons of milk. So I'm like, no, I don't, who needs five milks at a time? But then I remember that all my kids need these huge iced coffee, so I need more. But like literally body-centered people would say, if I get that coffee in my body, that means my husband's not getting his coffee, right? Because I took more of the milk. But that's just because we're body-centered people, right? Think about it. Next person is going to get the last chair in the room, right? If more people come in, that's it. Physically, there is no more chairs. I mean, there's in the kitchen and there's downstairs. But that's it. You're here. You got it. You're good. But that's how a physically bound person exists. They see things as you eat the last cookie from the cookie jar. Now, I don't get a cookie from the cookie jar. But it's not only, by the way, in physical things. It's also in intangible things. It's like somebody's getting all the attention. That means there's less attention for me. Like I have this now in my son's room. So like my daughter thought it was her bas mitzvah. Bina, clearly. Like she had more friends than, than like anybody, right? Well, they're like, is this? And also they were like in the front or like whatever. She was like, how could you suck all the attention just because it's your bar mitzvah? Like I also want some of it. I think of that as the mother of the bar mitzvah. I'm like, this is such a weird thing. Like it's not the kala. Like we, what do we do, right? So I'm like, put all the attention over there, right? But it works like that physically with physical things, also with intangible things. But body-centered people, 
you would think they almost don't want to have relationships because it's just about me, me, me. So you know extremely selfish people who live totally in body-centered world, right? Teenagers, <laughs> it's about that, right? Then you get a little bit more mature and you start to make room for relationships. But what did those relationships for body-centered people look like? Taking. Taking, right? Like, give me an example. Like, I'm going to, like, as a little kid, right? Let's say little kids, right? How do little kids form relationships, right? Like, how do they become friends? If you give me stickers. If you give me stickers. I was a kid. I used to, I wanted to be friends with this kid. I brought snacks. Like, and she, and then I would pay up and then she would play with me. Very sad. Like, you know? And then I'm like, thank you. Why don't you sell the snacks and then you can make money, right? My brothers always do that. I don't know. Boys like sell snacks. They didn't sell snacks. That was a whole thing. They ordered the snacks. They ordered the snacks. I feel like you could be running a business in dark area. Like, totally. But when we're younger, it's like, what is that in Perkeyevos? What is that line of an Ava? Tuluya Badavar. There we go. An Ava Tuluya Badavar. Most relationships, especially with physically bound people, are about what can I get from this? I think about this all the time. My father's a doctor and drug reps would come, right? And they would be like, oh my gosh, they would like sponsor lunches. It was like the funnest. And then my mother was like, you don't have to come for lunch. Just give me like a gift certificate. We'll go out to eat with our own family. Like we don't even need, we'll sign the papers. But like, they were giving almanas the Cabal Pras. They were giving so that they can get from it, right? Political marriages, right? If I marry you, this will look good for me. And then, right, like we laugh at it, but like it still happens today, right? Like politicians need to have like a certain look in order for people to vote for them. So that's why I'll marry this person, even though they're in a loveless relationship, right? Or little kids, I'll be friends with you because you have good snacks. Or... I don't know, there's like this culture, like, okay, obviously not in our world, but like where people like before the holidays, like I need to have a boyfriend before the holidays. Like why? Because I just do. Like, first of all, presents, right? Okay. And then like also like New Year's, like I can't be alone. So it's like people who are physically bound are usually don't want to share, but will we'll open up a little bit when it feels right and when it feels good. What am I getting from this relationship? But that is a relationship that is not going to last forever, right? Because you marry somebody for their hair and then they're bald, right? I joke that I married my husband before he even had hair, right? So like, it didn't even matter, but a love that's dependent on a factor is not going to last forever, okay? That's because you see things physically. You have the cookie, I don't have the cookie. You have the coffee, I don't get the coffee. So it becomes like a very like tit for tat, but it also, it, it can be seen as normal. Like they, people, physically bound people can loosen up a little bit because if you have something that's, good and it works for me and you have what to offer, it looks very good for me, I'm gonna take it. Manus Friedman gives this uh, like incredible, incredible share all about living versus existing. And he says that when it comes to existence, there's only a certain amount of space, right? Let's say like I'm, I'm designing this room, right? There's an amount of space for, let's say a marriage like Shabbos candles and like stuff, but like really the table's gonna have to only be 12 feet. Why could the only table only be 12 feet? In a physical room with this dimensions of this room, only this fits here. But really, if there wasn't anything physical, we could fit, like think about the base of Mikdash. They say that everyone is gonna be able to fit in the base of Mikdash. What does that mean? How can the whole of cholesterol, like last week I was saying, okay, we don't have enough chairs, we don't have enough space, we're gonna grow out of it because physically there's not enough room. But Manus Freeman, he explains so beautifully that if you're living just in a physical world, yes, there's limitations. But in a spiritual world, you get much more from it. Like think about it, in a marriage, right? You have to share your closet, or you have your own closet, you have to give away some of your closet to your husband. But if I didn't have to share my closet with my husband, I would have a vlogger's closet, and I would have everything in my closet. But now I have to carve away a little bit, right? But that's only because I'm seeing it as a physical thing. I'm not seeing it as a real relationship. 
when mothers are expecting, right? Like I literally have to physically give up space from in myself to give to something else. But if you only think about it as physically bound, yeah, I can't have broccoli, I can't have this, I, uh, I was diabetic when I was pregnant, so I can't have sugar. And it's like, well, you're cramping my style. Like you're taking up space from me. Why would I do that? It doesn't make sense. Like, I can't eat what I want. I can't drink what I want. I can't, right? Like, clearly, right? Every all the pregnant mothers here. It's, it's like in your, I don't know, for me, I carry my baby up here, and it's like in my chest. So physically, it doesn't make sense. And why would I do that? That's the problem, right? We understand it here. As little kids, it's easy. As we get older, it's like a little bit more like, what am I getting out of this relationship? How do relationships last forever? What does Perfevos teach us? right? An ava, a love that's not bound to anything. So like, what's the closest relationship that you can think of that it doesn't matter how much space you take up, I will still always love you? My parents. Parents, children, right? It's like physically, it's taking up so much space. Physically, all my time, carpool, gymnastics, I don't even know everything. Homework, I just got a message from the homeless teacher. She's like, she's been consistently not doing her homework. I'm like... Oh my God, she's in pre renee like what should I do? Like I can't, right? But so there's a lot, that, that's my time, that's my space. But what is it about children that it, it goes past the physical limits? I'm not gonna say children to their parents. I'm gonna say parents to their children. It's a very different relationship, what? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, I know. And then you would think like as you have children, you'd be like, well, I should probably call my mother and thank her. But like, no, I'm still mad at her for what she did to me in seventh grade. And she came late to my play and she was in lap art and she missed my whole part. And then the time that she tried to record it, she didn't have, she forgot the battery. And then nobody ever knows my play from fifth grade. But like, I'm still mad about it. But she, what is it about the relationship between parents and kids? What is that? That it's an avashat It's giving, right? But in giving in a way that it doesn't diminish from me. That's the whole thing. The reason that physical relationships don't last is because I have, it's, there, there's, a, there's a problem. Like, like, literally, I have to give up from myself to give to you. And why would I want to do that? Because our natural instinct is take care of me. I'm a physical being. I need to be fed. I need to be taken care of. And if nobody else is going to do it, like our, it's, almost, it's like survival of the fittest. I have to take care of myself. That's your natural thing. Who's speaking when you're in that physical state of you're taking up space? Who's talking? The animal soul. So what we said in last week is break that. Break that shift from thinking that you're an animal soul because all physically bound relationships will be stuck, will literally be stuck in that, what do you have for me? What do you got? Right? Like, um, let's barter. Right? That's how the whole barter system came up. That's how people became friends with their neighbors. Like back in like when you learn about like history, right? Like, oh, you have spices? Okay, fine. You have spices? I have, uh, you know, opium, whatever. Like let's swap, right? That's literally what happened. It was, it was, it was sort of like, I, what can I get from you? What? Right. <laughs> I think about this all the time because my mother in my father's office, like, they're like, oh, no, we don't take GHI. So they're like, okay. And I was like, so what do you sell? Like, what do you got? And she's like, I make those red bracelets, like, with the gold wrapped. Okay, give me five of them. <laughs> like, okay. We have, like, a running bill at Chafanash. I always joke. <laughs> we would go in, get whatever we wanted from Chafanash because they, we didn't take their insurance, but it was fine. Like, we were like, this is totally hip hop, but whatever. Okay, one thing, you know. Um, but most people, when they look for friends or when they look for relationships, they look for, and this is normal, and it is normal to feel like this. Before Tanya, you looked for a relationship. What can I get from these people? Because ultimately, what would work for me. It could be spiritual also. It could. That really could be spiritual. If you look at it in a spiritual sense. Like, explain, right? Like, let's say, like. If you feel, if you could feel authentically connected 
in a that's relationship, true. then that that that's doing something for you. That's filling you up. That's right. centering you. That's self care. You're saying the emotional, like attention. Attention. It's funny that you're saying that because I feel like I started, maybe this is part of my midlife crisis, like starting being friends with people who I can also like learn with. Like I never right. looked for friendship as Chavrusa, but right. I guess if I am looking for something, then right, that's what you're right. Every relationship, you both need to be receiving something that makes sense for you, and it could also be right. spiritual. Or right. Or emotional, right. Like just like yeah. yeah. like mothers and children, it's like that unconditional, but with like relationships and friendships. It could be, right, it could be. But that means you definitely stepped out of bounds. Like you stepped out of your, 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 your like, usual. the usual, a little bit. Your comfort zone, or it's like a, it's definitely a boundary, but it's a small boundary. It wouldn't be as... But also it's a lens that you see lighter. Right, it's a lens that you see like Right, you switch. You, you can like shift, you could take that off. You could peel off the animals. It's also a mature relationship versus an immature relationship. Right, Doesn't right. Doesn't mean in years, it means in... In your, like in that, in that thought process, right. A more mature relationship leans more a little bit to the physical side than an immature relationship. That's true. But to the spiritual side. For, to the spiritual side, yeah. But in general, the way that it works is that we are looking for... Uh, let's say like on the base level, like if let's say we're only looking at our animal soul, we're looking for a social advantage, we're looking for someone to up it, oh, this person has a connection, he owns a hedge fund, right? Like I see it, the political marriage, but those are all the calculations that our ego has to make before it goes into relationship because its default setting is I want my own mini fridge with my own milk and my own cookies for breakfast and I don't want to have to share it with anybody because that's how I'm going to live. But real Ava, that's not dependent on a factor, Ava she'enotliyabadavar, is the soul-centered people. And soul-centered people, they emphasize the fact that we are all one. Because, and he gives this example, she's to have like a mushal, that when you look at an ocean, right, when the sun is setting, and you just look at the ocean, you don't look up, you don't look up, what do you see when you're looking at the water? The reflection, but you also see the sun is setting. Remember, the sun is setting onto the water. What does it look like? What do you see? Glistening, right? You see tons and tons of lights. Now, a physically centered person would see, wow, look at those lights, like in plural, right? There's so many of them. And as the, as the waves are getting stronger, there's even more. And then you look to the left and you look to the right and you're like hundreds of lights. But then a soul-centered person just lifts his head up even a little bit, because remember the sun is setting, and what do they see? They see one big orange ball of light. And that's where everything is coming from. So that has to be your mind shift when you're looking at, let's say, cholesterol, you're looking at, you want to develop deeper relationships. You don't look at the water, you look at the sun, the one that shines onto it, that's everything. So a soul-centered person, and by the way, this has to do very much with Jewish people, there is a concept of like cabrabrios and having dignity for everybody else out there, but in, in terms of a soul, of seeing us all as one soul, that's Amisral. That really, really is. So right now we're talking about Abbas Yisrael. How do I embrace my Jewish soul? My soul that's inside of me, the one that's always present in me, the one that Hashem entrusts with me every single day. I have to realize that even though you had the coffee this morning, I still enjoy that coffee. I, I started practicing it just a little bit with like my family that like right before I'm about to take something for myself, I immediately take the thing that I was about to give to myself. Do you ever warm up pizza in a pizza maker? It's so annoying. You need really like four pizza makers because then by the time you put one in for the next one and one for the next one, they're finished eating, but then, right? So I'm like, I was about to like take the slice and I was like, one second, let me just practice this for one second and say, even though I am so hangry right now because I just drove home from work and I'm so tired and I really want that slice of pizza from Bravo and it's amazing, I'm just gonna give it to my son who already, by the way, had one slice and is on his second slice, but it, I'm just gonna practice it, see what it feels like 
conflict that it's okay that if he eats the pizza, I still will feel some enjoyment. And that idea is every time you do that and every time you practice that, you rise above your nature one notch. Think about it. Nature, right, is feed me, I need to take care of myself. But the second you're able to give to somebody else, right, we keep saying giving, Ava is about giving, right? Ahava, right? What's the shorish of Ahava? To give, have. So when I give to somebody, I want to be able to feel it. So that's about transcending your nature, which by the way, in Hebrew is the number eight, Shmona, right? I think about this all the time, like oil, right? Oil transcends. You're making a salad dressing. Why does the oil rise up? Because it's above nature, right? Shemen in Hebrew is the word for oil. Shmona, which is eight, supernatural, right? We do a bris. When? When has become a Jewish soul? On the eighth day. Hanukkah was a miracle because if nature was seven, but I went one step up. Nature tells me, take care of me, feed me. I need to, I, I, this person's getting me upset getting me upset, you're cramping my style, you're taking up my whole closet, you're leaving your shoes in the front. If I was such an OCD need freak, I would probably not have children or be married because I wouldn't be able to handle it. But you know what? I give up from myself for another person. That's called transcendence. It's rising above your nature. Nature means default, physical, body-centered. We do things to take care of ourselves. Tani teaches us that we have to rise above it and then we see things from a much higher perspective. So how does this work, okay? We explain that it's just like when a mother has a child and they're able to see it. Um, he actually goes off on a little bit of a tangent and he says that it's very easy to love. It. We, we say it's very easy to love your kids, but not to like your kids. Um, I, and I like this concept a lot because let's be honest, like nachas really fluctuates between your children, right? Like some children will give you a little bit more nachas than the others. And then on a certain day, one will give you more nachas than others. And that doesn't necessarily, that has to do with liking because what you're doing is good for me. Right? If my kid gets up on stage and makes a beautiful speech or a solo or whatever, that, when I look at them and they're shining, why am I glowing? What does it mean, Nachas? What does it mean? It's a reflection of me. It's like I see a part of me in them. But then what happens when, they, when they're throwing a tantrum, they're like, you're like, that's not me. That is not me. That's like me removing myself. I am physically bound. I'm a mother. I'm functional. I'm capable. This kid you know, I had way too much sugar, whatever, something, right? So when you say, I don't like that, I don't like what you're doing, and this is a good practice, and I've been trying this with my kids, I don't like what you're doing. Why don't you like what you're doing? Because you see it as like, don't mess with me. I'm, 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 I'm capable, I'm confident. I got enough sleep last night. You didn't get enough sleep last night, right? The second we see them as that, it's very easy to dislike them. But bottom line, we love them. And that we can never take away. Because why do we love them? Because when we love them, even when they're inside the womb, like why do mothers love their babies? It doesn't even make sense. You see a sound of them, you're like, oh my God, they're so cute. And they're not so cute. Like you can't really see their face. You can't. Why? Because you're like, that is me. And I love myself, right? I hope we, we hope we do, right? So I see them as me. So that is so clear when you recognize that you're really just one son. You're just one whole son. So practice it in your family and then take it outside and then take it to work and then take it to family. Uh, um, trying to think like what's like the ultimate where like, like when we're all in one, when you're all in, when you're all in one house together and you're like, why does she always get that room, right? But you would be happy for her if you knew it was your kid, right? Like I think of, he, he gives like example, it's like probably the funniest thing that like when you are at, 
let's say at a wedding, right? And they're walking around with a dessert and you're like dancing, right? And you're out and like you went to the bathroom and you came back and you're like, well, where, where's my, where's my, uh, whatever, the main dish, right? Like who got my main dish? Like, where's my main dish, right? And they're like, sorry, we don't have any more. And you're like, what? You don't have any more? Like I was, I just went to the bathroom. I came back. I didn't eat a whole day and now I want to eat, right? And then you turn your head and you see somebody there's on doubles, right? And you look at that person and you're like, that's not okay. Like that's my, that's supposed, that's supposed to be right here. But let's say you turned your head and you saw was your kid eating it. And you're like, oh, it's so tasty. You eat it, right? You were so hungry. You didn't eat lunch today because I forgot to pack it for you, right? So the idea is that the second you realize that it's you, you're okay with it. But when you realize it's not you and, you, and, and most of the times physically it's not you, it causes a lot of damage with the way that you think about that person, with the way that you treat that person, with the way that you treat people around you because all of a sudden you're stuck in a very physical place. So the second you don't see yourselves as one big soul, there's room for the opposite of Abbas Yisrael, which I don't even, like, I, I hate saying this word because then I always go back like, oh, the second Mishra was destroyed for that, right? Like, sinas chinam, right? What, what's sinas chinam? Where does that come from? It comes from me not seeing you that we're the same soul. If we so were the same soul. I was soul, actually going to bring that out because why the Jacobson actually says that sinas chinam is not necessarily baseless hatred for someone else. It's actually hating yourself. So you're, what you're saying, like what you're, the whole, like everything you're saying before, is a healthy mindset of a healthy person. Not that many people are healthy right now. Right. So if you have sinasrinam, if you're hating someone else, it's really because you hate yourself. You feel guilty about something or all the stuff that we spoke about before. You're so Right, yeah, exactly. Or you, you feel like you, you, it's basically your ego because you're, you had to build up defenses because either you hate yourself or you were in, you know, traumatized or injured or whatever it is. So, um, the only way to get to not have sinas chinam is to start loving yourself and loving your neshama, basically. And that's how you're going to get to be able to have Allah Sisral is once you start loving yourself, then then you'll be able to extend that love to other people. So I, I love what you're saying. And it's funny because as I was like preparing this, I remember, and we went to BYU. Yeah, right? Yeah. We had, I forgot which teacher it was. I didn't have her, but she was a second grade teacher, Miss Mendel. Do you remember? She had, you had her? What was her song? Change your self and you can change the world. I was like, whoa. Like, is that your man? also said it? I thought it was. It is Lily's song. I thought it's. I'm pretty sure it's her song. I'm gonna like. like um, no, Uncle Mike. No, they learned it across the board. They learned it across the board in second grade. It's a second grade song. So that idea was like, it all of a sudden hit me. I'm like, that's the whole thing. Change yourself, and then you could change all the world. Because as soon as you, like Mary was saying, you love yourself, and I identify primarily as a soul, and I don't worry about my physical things. And also, I love what you said that I'm satiated, and that's why I think it's very important to fill your cup, like. So if I know that I'm going to be hangry, I order something to eat on my way home and eat it in the driveway, and then I come in. Or like I know, I go upstairs, I splash water on my face, sometimes I take a shower so that I can do, can go on. No, but it's it's not, but I'm taking what Mary's saying one step further, but the second that you... But it's on different levels. Like Chesed, like Avram and Chesed, like you have to fill yourself up and then you could give. But not in a self-care. Not in a bit. Way. Like, right. No, it's building up your self-esteem and your self-worth, right. basically. Right, right. But building yeah, 100% up, like, in technical terms when you have to be a mother. That's how it that's looks. You, that's how it plays out here. But in like the that. whole if you're world... Like a very selfish, bad person, then you're not going to be able to give. But if you change yourself... Right. Then you could. Person. person, right. Give it I mean, to you yourself. You can tell when you're not feeling good or you're not right. happy. 
Right. You can't be happy for anybody else. If I'm ever like screaming at my husband, and then he'll be like, so how was your day? It's not that. It's nothing to do with him. Right. Everything to do with me. And we always say to our kids that when they're, when somebody's being mean to them, like, it's not about them. It's hurt people. It's hurt people. people. So like, when you teach your kids that the person who's hurting them is not, you know, doing it because there's something specifically about you. But it's because there's something unsettling about them, mm-hmm. and they're not feeling whole right. or happy. So you could see physical people see things, see relationships as physical, right? Like hurt people, hurt people. Physical people do physical things, and physical things means I can't give of myself because I see you as separate. So the idea is to bring everybody together. So primarily, we say I'm a soul. Now, primarily, you identify as a soul. Then I see you as a soul. Then, then it's all good. Then it all works. Because don't say, hey, eat my dessert, eat my steak, eat whatever it is, because. Everything else is body stuff, okay? The laws that things can only operate in one place is a physical thing. The laws that every single person from Christ will be able to fit in the base of Mikdash, it's, it's a physical thing. It's going to be, end up being spiritual. But physically, you're like, I don't understand that, right? Eretzichol is going to span from one end to the world to the other. It changes your whole mindset. This, this concept of that things are only limited in this physical world because we see it as physical changes everything. Because you see the world differently. If I don't see the world as physically, then I see the world as spiritual. And then nothing, it doesn't matter. It doesn't pertain to my body anymore. It now becomes spiritual. So the real me is something, is a soul me. So that when you eat the cookie, I'm like, you had the calories. Thanks for taking, you took one for the team, right? And now I don't have to worry. You had the coffee, you had this. It doesn't matter. Because it's not, it, it, it's like he said that like, you ate the last cookie, the Jews just all got a cookie. Like, that's how you have to see it. Like, the Yidin in Eretz Yisrael are putting on tzitzis. Everybody's putting on tzitzis. You have to start seeing it like that. Otherwise, you get caught up in pettiness and baseless. I mean, not baseless hatred. You get caught in pettiness and selfishness and not being able to move on and love everybody. So now let's try to go back. basically is baseless hatred because there's no reason for it. Right. There's no reason for it. There's no good reason to have low self-esteem, to hate yourself. There's no reason ever. Also, like, if you didn't get the This cookie, is such like a, like, chef. mental health one. Whoa. Like, I'm feeling, like, very, like, I'm getting to know myself and my kids. Yeah. No, like, if you didn't get the cookie, you weren't supposed to get the cookie. Right. right? That's, like, another level. But, like, right, right. Right. it's them not them. about that right. person really taking helps. the cookie. It's God not giving you the cookie. Right, right. So, he says, like, really, the, the idea of loving our children, our likeness kind of depends on who they are. But our lovingness to them depends on who we are. It's like, I like my kid depending on when, when it looks good for me, right? Like when they show off, right? But when they don't, and I still love them regardless, it's because I love myself and I see them as an extension of myself. So you love your child from the moment you laid on them because you laid eyes on them because you're like, that is me. And I, if I love myself, assuming we love ourselves, if you learn Tanya up until 32, then you love yourself. And just like you love yourself, you love your child. Okay, so that's, so liking, he says, and loving is a total different story. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? I feel yeah. like you said, like, what does sinasina mean or where does it come from? Can you say that in short? Yeah, so let's say, like, we're talking now about Avas Yisrael, loving right. every single Jew. And we're saying that the more soul-centered you are, the more you will, you, the more you feel connected to everybody. The less, the more physical you are, the more disconnected you feel. And that leaves space for hating people. Because if you do something that bothers me, then why would I like you? You just bothered me. You just took up space. You're cramping my style. You're taking the attention. You ate the cookie. You took the chair. You this. And then I start making a list of the reasons that I should hate you. 
But the second I realized that the chair that you're sitting on is me, like is like me sitting on a chair, and the cookie that you ate is the same thing as me eating cookie, the more I get drawn here. So is it the people who have hard times letting things go versus like? It's both. It's people who see things physically. If you are, and by the way, that is natural. It's natural to see things as physically divide and conquer. We need that's how the entire world survived these days because we need things physically. But the second you let go and say, one second, if you, whatever you're doing is also affecting me, I love it. Where does like judgment come into that? Because we're talking about physical stuff. But this, like if you're judging people negatively, is that also person is clean up? Same thing. Or thinking you're bad at I think it's just the intangible physical. I think there's intangible physical things that bother us. Like, let's say someone's taking my attention, somebody's like being mean, somebody's, right? Like, is that what you're saying? They're, no, they're, like you're saying, like let's say you're saying, oh, I think that they're, like not good people and I don't want my kids. And you're not sitting there in the shower. Right. Listen, you it's can have healthy boundaries. Like, no, no, like hold I, on. I you know. You can have healthy boundaries. Health, yes. But you so have to see each person way. as an ashama. So you have to see them as, okay, they're not there yet. So I don't need to expose my kid to that, whatever it is. And you bow out gracefully. Right. So, but you're saying that's not sin, that's clean up. No, it's like, not. No, boundaries is not. But the, 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 the question is, where, where, where's it coming from? Like, what's your, what's your purpose? Because we don't like this person? I don't know. It's, I don't or because... Right now. I'm just saying in general. Right. No, no, no. I'm trying right. to think. Right. No, I'm trying to go into your head. Like, when no, somebody says me. something like that, it's like, okay, wait, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to protect my kid. I'm trying to shield my kid. I'm trying oh to... God. I think because right. you're seeing it so deeply and it makes so much sense. I'm thinking about how do I always hear about Abbas and Charles Simpson. It's like, just love everyone. It's like... So I'm trying to think of, like, when we always hear that, like, just, like, every Jew is amazing and pregnant, and you just love them, and they're, like, and then it's, like, but if you're judging them, is that? I think judging is. There's no room for judgment. I don't think we're allowed to judge. Who are we to judge? Right, go back two chapters, go back two chapters, and we said in Tanya, we said in Tanya two chapters ago, when I judge people, what am I, no, no, it's fine, I'll remind you what we said, and this is where you see it's a build-up, but it could also be its own class. But the idea where you, when you see somebody doing something wrong, you judge them, that you have no idea what state they're in. You have no idea to what level or what standards they're being held. When for them to keep Shabbos is right. the same thing as you keeping 200 Shabbos. Right. It's the same thing. So I try to do that. Like, uh, these, I guess these, I'm asking, no, I understand that concept. Right. I'm saying, is that understand as cleanup or not? Judgment? Probably. It's like a value yeah. thing. Like, maybe like, they don't have my values that I'm at right now. I'm not judging them. But like we're like let's say even we're saying about going with the kids to other houses, right? So like they or even Hasidim, let's say Pete certain Hakshirim that like let's say so she's not like looking down on mommy, but like I won't eat in her house because she doesn't have that meat that I wouldn't eat. So like where where's room for that? I think that's still boundaries. Like you're allowed to have, you have to have some boundaries. You right. can't. Without some cleanup, but just right. Like, okay, Listen, you have to have a healthy dose of gavur is what we need. Chasid is and by the way. In the end, Yaakov wins. MS, right? Yaakov, the Avram is the Midah of Chesed, giving, 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 right? When you give too much, you also have a Yishmael. Okay? Yitzchak is boundaries, Gevura. He literally was physically bound, like he does Yitzchak. He was, he never left Eretz Yisrael. He was a car, but he was all Gevura. But then he also gave birth to Esav, and Esav is a murderer. So that's too much boundaries. The bottom line is that from healthy Chesed and healthy of Gvura, without any of the, the klipas that had to be removed, you get Yaakov, which is MS and Mitzah Shlema, 
all the Jewish people, the neshama of the Jewish people came from Yaakov. So the, the literally the Shvatim, we don't come from Avram. Yishmael also came from there. Esav also came from too much. So you can't have either extreme. And that comes with a healthy dose of giving and a healthy dose of boundaries. So saying, yes, we love all Yidin. We don't care. We'll do whatever we can to bring more people. There are very, very few Yidin who are able to tap into that world. But on top of that, I feel like but, if you <coughs> communicate with a base of Avastral and you're confident. It's more like a glasses, it, like what you're saying. About, it's about when you. It's about how you communicate. So if you're saying no, you're not good enough for me, or if they can possibly get that from you, then that's sinaskina. Because and you're, it's, you're not good enough for me. Right. Like it's the shame of oh, you. Yeah. It's the me versus you. You have to switch it. Right. It's a mindset, and it's about keeping people's, you know, protecting other people's feelings instead of being like self righteous. Basically. Right. Not like I'm right. better than you. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. There you go. She just wrote the speech. Okay. <laughs> send it. Send it to the chat after. Um, okay, so I think this is, by the way, like, so I did not realize how much this... This is such a discussion-based class because of Avistar and there's so many levels of it. But really, we have to say that... Um, and, and I think this goes really very much with like the pain that everyone's feeling in Eretz is like your pain then becomes my pain. The second I shift that identity of, let's say, look what we did in 30 and 31, changing identity that we are primarily a soul, the second we do that, then that makes space for Avastar Yisrael. Then that makes space for loving people, but also feeling their pain. Their pain becomes my pain. You know, like that famous story of, um, oh, shoot, no, I can't even remember who was in Eretz Yisrael, the big tzaddik who said, our foot is hurting her. Oh, no. Yeah, he took his wife to that. I should know this because my friend's great grandfather. Um, he lives in Yushalayim, and he was like, he came to the doctor, and he said, "Our leg is hurting." Right? Like, we are in labor. You know those men who are like, "We are in active labor." I'm like, really? You're in the beacon holomer. You are not in active labor. Okay. Um, but as the more as we have more challenges and we have more pain, we're able to tap. Once we identify as a, we're soul ident like we're identifying as a soul, we remember that we can feel their pain and we can gain from their triumphs and we can gain from them. So like we get chizuk from watching these videos of the soldiers dancing. Like why is that? It's because they're us. Like that's us. They're jumping up and down and they're singing. A few weeks ago, until he he compares to the cauliflower. Remember? Oh, I don't know if I, I may have missed this. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. So you compare, when you look at cauliflower, like a whole florette, and then you zoom in on like a smaller florette, it looks exactly like the bigger florette. And then as, as much as you keep going down and down, it still mirrors exactly the bigger like florette of cauliflower. Even so basically, our soul is part of the soul of Am Yisrael, but the soul, the other soul of Amishara is also within our soul. Uh-huh. We so should that, all make high flower for Shabbos, right? <laughs> that, but that but it's true. Idea. Were you there? You heard it? It was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It wasn't until you <laughs> said that. <laughs> <laughs> the high flower. Okay, so up until now, we were explaining how, and, and this will bring us back, sorry, we'll, we'll wrap it up here, but this will bring us back to what Hillel said, because up until now, up until chapter 32, we were basically explaining how to fulfill this mitzvah of Avas Yisrael as one of the 613 mitzvahs. But now we're going to understand that every single mitzvah has its foundation in all of this, in all of these words of Yehavta Lerecha Kamocha. Don't do to others what you wouldn't do to yourself. 
how does that all of a sudden make sense? Because it's so simple. We always thought, okay, there's two types of mitzvahs in this world, right? There's Beinadam al-Chavero, and then there's Beinadam al-Makom, and that's it. We have to deal with it. But the second you recognize that you're one soul, Beinadam al-Chavero becomes Beinadam al-Makom, Beinadam al-Makom becomes Beinadam al-Chavero. The second I start to see other people as part of me and wanting their success and wanting their pain to go away, that's me serving Hashem. So it's the underlying thing. So when they came to Hillel and they said, well, give me, teach me the whole Torah on one foot, and they said, don't do unto others what you wouldn't do to you. And people laughed at that. People were like, what does that mean? That doesn't make sense. But as soon as you, and Hillel obviously was a person who loves Kal Yisrael, right? All my obligations of Ben Adam Lamakom to Hashem and all my obligations to others, Hillel is basically saying that all the basis for all the mitzvot is Ben Adam Chaviro. And what's hateful to you, I don't want to do it to me. And that's really understandably, like if we can take away like another thing from this class, is that the way that I deal with other people is purely the way that I deal with Hashem. And it really, really helps you with Avas Yisrael because you start to see other Yidin connected to you, also connected to Hashem. It's all of us. That's how you can understand Avas Yisrael. So the basis of loving every single Jew, it's very simple. What's the key to loving every single Jew? What do we have to do? Identify as a soul. Recognize that we are all part of that sun. We are all cauliflower heads, right? We rise above our nature. We rise above our animalistic nature of physically seeing things as you ate the cookie. I can't have the cookie. You were mean to me. I'm going to be mean back to you, right? We have to transcend that animal soul. And then the, the surest way that we do that is to put things in the perspective of an episode of kiss that we were all given and that we all have and we're all connected. And that gives us nachas from everybody. It really should give us nachas. It should make us happy. It should make us feel good. So basically, just to sum it up in one line, the concept of Abbas Yisrael is transcending your body-centered person to embracing your soul-centered identity, and then that is how you have essential love for all the Jews. I feel like so much is tolerance and acceptance. I'm going to stop this here. Hold on one second. But, or unless we want to continue learning. Hold on. Yes, we will.